Can you all hear okay? I assume since you got quiet, you can hear. Great. Well, as I said, welcome. Um, it was suggested to me earlier that we should have the people that had off of work pray for those who did not have off of work and maybe buy them a beer. So that's up to you. It's just a suggestion. But we're really excited to have you all here tonight. And our, um, we have a very special speaker, and Mr. Ron Riggins is going to be joining us to give the talk. And I actually am very excited because I've known Ron for quite a few years. He was a big part of my own dad's conversion to the Catholic faith. And we are godparents for my niece. So we're pretty much related, right? Right, pretty much. We're co-parents. <laughs> um, Ron Riggins is a parish at Nativity and is part of the Speakers Bureau for the Diocese of Arlington. A baking consultant by profession, Ron's radical conversion, baking, Ron's radical conversion to the Catholic faith came as a result of witnessing disaster, which led him to come to his senses. Married for 36 years and with three grown children, Ron's wife Terry inspires his faith and challenges him to go out into the deep. And unfortunately, Terry's not here tonight. As RCIA director at Nativity, Ron's catechetical approach focuses on encountering Christ, developing an intimate and prayerful relationship with Jesus, and discerning the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As a core team member of the Diocesan Unbound Ministry, Ron encourages others to claim the freedom Christ won for us. As a Catholic Charities board member, he teaches that charity and truth are inextricably linked, and he evangelizes parishioners to encounter the love of God so that the charity they extend to those in need is more than a meal or clothing, but a witness of God's divine love, which could lead to the transformation of the poor. So, with nothing further, we invite Ron forward. Thank you. Well, it's a blessing to be here, and um, as we get started, can you just hold out your right hand and just uh, pray over me that um, I say the things that, that you want to hear tonight, things that are going to touch your heart and just lead to your conversion. Lord, we praise you, we glorify you, we worship you, we thank you that we are here tonight, Lord. We thank you that, that we are gathered in your name. We thank you that we have a place to gather. We thank you that there are so many people here that are hungry for you. Lord, we just ask that you pour out your graces tonight. We just thank you, Lord. Anoint my lips to say the words that um, will we'll touch these people. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So I have some notes here, and we'll see whether I use any of them or not. But the um, the, the, the one thing that really uh, has struck me over the last couple of years is something that uh, Dr. Ralph Martin uh, ha has been proclaiming. And Dr. Ralph Martin will be coming here. He's speaking at the men's conference in a couple of weeks. And uh, he has been publishing books about the urgency of the new evangelization. And uh, his message is uh, conveying that there's a lot of concern about what's going on in this country, how people are falling away from their faith, and that people with faith have a commission, that we are called to go forward and, and to evangelize. And um, at, at the same time, he's worried about those people who say that they are Christian. Uh, and listen to what he says. Broad and wide is the way that leads to salvation. And almost everybody is on that path. Narrow and difficult is the path that leads to condemnation or hell. 
and very few people, if any, are on that road. Oh, maybe some bad people, maybe like Hitler or Stalin would be in hell, but everybody else is pretty much assured of heaven. Anybody see anything wrong with that statement? Well, let's see what Jesus said. This is from Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so Jesus was uh, talking that very few people are actually going to make it to heaven. And uh, because people are going to fall away from, uh, from their faith, uh, people will not be converted. And um, our baptismal call is to bring people into the faith. Uh, Bishop Alberti published a uh, pastoral letter, which was Go Forth with Hearts on Fire. I don't know if uh, they still have copies of this available, but it is on, their, on the diocesan website. And Bishop Alberti said, you can't give what you don't got. And uh, so we can't evangelize unless we have had some type of encounter with Christ and, and that our hearts have been changed. And so I wanted to read something out of, out of this um, pastoral letter because it was directly related to Bishop Laverde's own faith journey. And I'm just going to read a couple of pieces. Um, the, uh, the, the premise was this, that he did not feel that he had a personal relationship with Christ. Here he was, he had been devoting his whole life as a priest. He had gone to seminary as a child in his teens. And he had been ordained a bishop. And he still didn't feel like he had this personal relationship with Christ. And he felt that Christ was on the other side of this glass wall. Then, during a silent eight-day retreat with a group of fellow bishops, the retreat director suggested that I bring those passages from Isaiah before the Lord in Lexio Divina in prayer. And then I'm just going to uh, skip down a little bit. And it said, Do not fear. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And as he was praying over these words, what happened was this glass wall shattered. And he encountered the love of God in a way that he had never experienced before. Here he is, a bishop in our church. And uh, his, um, his service as a bishop completely changed. He began preaching about personal relationship with Christ. He began to bring in ministries within the church where people could have this personal relationship with Christ. He realized that there was this great need for people to come into uh, encounter. And uh, that's the word we're going to really be focusing on next. But So here's our bishop who is even struggling with a personal relationship. Uh, but we are all called to, to have this relationship. You know, when, uh, as we were talking about, um, we all know that we were made in the image and likeness of God. And, and yeah, that's pretty awesome to think about. And 
God creates us because of how much he loves us. And we start thinking, um, well, if he loves me, then surely he wants me to be in heaven with him. Well, and, and that's where the big misunderstanding is, and that's where Ralph Martin's quote is so important. And so, uh, unless we have some type of supernatural encounter with God, we cannot understand God's love, and we're unable to love others, and we're unable to live our faith uh, without having... Um, I mean, we, we can live our faith, but we may not have a super knowledge, supernatural knowledge of, of our faith. And, and so, uh, yesterday's Mass reading talked about perfect love, and that we are to um, be perfect as our Father in Heaven is perfect. Well, how do we love perfectly? I mean, that's a pretty high bar. And, and we can't love perfectly unless we have an encounter uh, personal love. So, you know, this talks about uh, going into Lent and, and, you know, so many of us, uh, and I did this, uh, gave up superficial things for Lent. Uh, oh, maybe we'll give up chocolate or beer or maybe Instagram or something like that you know, for 40 days, but is that really going to change our life? Are we going to go to heaven because we've given up uh, maybe our, our Guinness or whatever. <laughs> no, so, um, so we need to begin to think about this word encounter and, and what encounter means. And there, there's a very casual use of the word encounter, which means uh, I, I met someone on the street and you know, they were wearing a blue shirt and, and whatever. And... Um, that is missing the point of the word encounter. The word encounter has a connotation of struggle, of confrontation. And so as, again, as we begin to think about this, um, if we are encountering Christ's love, what is, what's being implied here? Well, I'm gonna take an example out of scripture. And, and we're all very familiar with this, uh, this story. Um, this is the story of Peter. And Peter was a fisherman. He was out fishing all night, didn't catch anything. Comes back, he's tired, uh, comes back in the morning, and uh, you know, sort of packing up everything. And Jesus says, put out into the deep and drop your nets. So Peter says, okay, I'm going to go out and, and, and do this. And... and Lo and behold, a miraculous catch. And then Peter begins to look at this and he's saying, oh, he's realizing that, that Jesus is Lord. And he is saying, get away from me, Lord. And, and you can just imagine Peter. Peter is dropping down to his knees, maybe putting his arms over his head, his face in the ground, because he's embarrassed of his sinfulness. And he can't look at the, at, at the purity of Jesus. And, and so, right there is this struggle, this confrontation. He has encountered the living God, and, and he's wondering, what, what am I doing here? How can I be in the presence of, of, of this holiness? I need, to, uh, I need to be away from this man. 
And so he tells Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And so in, in, this, in this departing, you know, he, he wants to be away from this perfection. And so his own sinfulness next to the purity of God. And, and, and then Jesus says, do not be afraid. And, and Jesus invites him to follow him. And, and it's in that invitation uh, that there's this extension of love that, that's taking place. And, and so you can imagine uh, Peter uh, just, he, he's really wrestling with, with who this man is. And then he is he's going through this, this conversion of heart and this repentance. And, and then what does he do? He immediately leaves his boat and all the fish you know, he would have had a, a, a great payday. Uh, but he immediately leaves and, and he follows Jesus. And so that that is what encounters about. It, it's this struggle when you realize who God is. And um, so there's this profound change that begins to take place. And um, so, so that's the invitation for us as we begin to go into Lent. Can we have an encounter where we have this a profound change where um, we become someone new. Well, there's lots of people in Scripture um, that, that had this kind of change. And you know, we begin to think of, of for example, the Samaritan woman. You know, she left her, her bucket at the well and went back to the very townspeople she was trying to avoid, and she's proclaiming who she just met. Levi was in the tree and he came down and uh, he gave half of his wealth and then he was repaying four times those that he had extorted. Uh, so they, there are these people that have gone through this profound change with this simple encounter with Christ and, and Christ was not condemning them in their sinfulness. He was loving them. And so uh, that, that's the thing about Christ that he... He gave his life because he loves, loved us so much. And so then I began to think about an encounter in, in my own life. And um, I read this book, uh, Men, this is a good book for you, by Father Larry Richards. It's called Be a Man, Becoming the Man God Created You to Be. So um, read that book. That's your assignment. <laughs> but I read the book. Uh, a few years ago and here's the first line in the book you are going to die well you know I don't want to finish reading this book <laughs> but but you know, then he begins to proceed and explain that yes in fact we are going to die and, and how we live our life begins to impact um, where we're going to wind up and, and it began to remind me of my own conversion and so I wanted to share a little bit about that. So I was raised Presbyterian, and uh, as I was uh, in my teen years, I went to this uh, charismatic youth conference, and I gave my life to Christ, and uh, I just had, uh, I, I was so high off of this, this conversion experience. Well, right after that, uh, we moved around some, and uh, at two separate parishes, there were pastor scandals in the Presbyterian Church, and I began to question my faith. And 
I just didn't have the support system for uh, for, for my new conversion. And I uh, then went off to college, and, and I had a college philosophy professor, and, and the professor uh, was espousing the very same thing that uh, uh, yeah, we, we often hear today, that God is dead. Well, coming off of the hypocrisy that had been in those two churches that I was at, and the fact that I was at college and I want to have some fun, uh, and this professor was insisting that God was dead, and he had all these arguments. I gave assent to that, and that freed me up to live how I wanted to live. Fortunately, I met my wife, Terry, there, and um, she was a cradle Catholic, and uh, we got married two years after college, and, and uh, when we got married, uh, the priest in the pre cana classes said, uh, you need to raise your children Catholic. I said, that's fine, but I don't have any problem with that. You know, it's, it's her faith, not mine. And uh, so we got, uh, we got married, we had uh, our, our kids, and the kids were in Catholic schools. And uh, the one thing about uh, I learned about putting your kids in Catholic schools is you have to help them with their Catholic school projects. And uh, so I'm getting my catechesis, and, and God's working on me, but I'm resisting. And then my wife went to a Life in the Spirit seminar. She left, went to the, this meeting one night, and she came back, and she was completely different. And here she is talking about Jesus like she knew this guy and um, she's sitting there talking and talking and talking and, and um, you know, I was looking at, at this and I'm going I don't know who this person is and um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there working with the kids on their Catholic school projects and preparing them for confirmation and, and um, I'm thinking is this what I expected out of my family God was working on me. And then my uh, my father died, and Terry's father died, and I began to ask myself this question that Father Larry Richards has in his book, "You're Going to Die," and I began to wonder, hmm, what if I die? What what, what is what, what's after life? And uh, so I, I was really struggling. Well, I had, I had formed my own firm at 32. Um, you know, I advised banks all over the country. I had established a, a national reputation. I had um, very much of a workaholic. And um, uh, it was all about power, fame, and fortune. And, and I got to the top of my field. And uh, what I was finding is um, every time I got something, new car, new house, new client, some money from a client, whatever, I was never satisfied. I was saying, where is the satisfaction in all of this? And yet, I was caught in this trap. And, and uh, so, um, I, I began to question, maybe, maybe there's something uh, in, the, in the church. Maybe there is. So I started going into church with the family regularly. Three or four months later, I was standing in my office on the 22nd floor of um, my office in, in Arlington, and I was looking at the Pentagon, 
and a ball and fire and smoke was coming out of the Pentagon. And suddenly I was in prayer and tears. And I was looking at this ball of fire and smoke and this destruction, and I realized that is my life. And you know, I, I, uh, I began repenting, and uh, I needed the embrace of the Father. And I, I needed to know that uh, if I died, that uh, I wasn't going to go to the other place. And so I began to uh, really uh, go through this, this period of, of evaluating my life. And, and I was realizing uh, I, mean, I had this empty life. And uh, so, uh, and, and I wanted the embrace of the Father. I wanted, I wanted to know that He loved me. And so I entered RCIA. And uh, going through RCIA and going to a charismatic prayer group with my wife at the same time. So I was getting the, the head knowledge and the heart knowledge of, of Christ. And um, so it was this, this radical conversion um, that, that I was going through. And uh, it just set me on this path that I could have never imagined. And I'm, I'm going to share a few more stories about this. But, uh, you know, that was a profound encounter where, uh, and I wasn't really asking or seeking the Lord to come into my life at that point. He just broke in, and uh, and 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 he gave me this new life and this new joy and this this ability to be able to witness to people. I haven't followed my notes. <laughs> But, you know, the, the, the one thing that a lot of people think about is when they have an encounter with Christ, so, such as that, sort of a St. Paul moment, you know, they think it was one and done. Well, what I found out is that there's a continual stream of encounters with Christ. And, and so I just wanted to share a few more with you because uh, each one of these encounters has radically changed my life. The first one, so I was going through RCIA, and... I knew the Lord was calling me to something. Everybody in our, the RCIA team was saying, hold your horses, just wait. Well, I went to the shrine uh, one day and I was praying uh, for three hours. And I'm saying, Lord, what are you asking of me? Well, Kenneth walks in to the uh, little chapel that I was at. Kenneth was a homeless man. And Kenneth said, sir, can you help me? Well, this electrical feeling goes through my body and I'm realizing that uh, I am being called to serve the homeless. And uh, from, from that moment forward, I've been working with the homeless and, and particularly through Catholic Charities because I knew that I had been blessed and it was time for me to go and, and share that blessing back, back with others. So, but in, in encountering Kenneth, the one thing I realized is I was looking into his eyes and uh, I was sensing Jesus' presence there. So a few years ago, I was, uh, I was at Mass, uh, daily Mass afterwards. I was praying and, and uh, this priest's name came to mind, Father Daniel, who is in this very poor uh, diocese in Cameroon. 
uh, and, and become friends with him. And he, um, uh, his name was on my mind, and I'm thinking, okay, well, you know, what do I do with this? I mean, Father Daniel, how am I going to get a hold of Father Daniel? So, um, through a third party, I just wired some funds and I let that party know that the funds were coming so that they could send them to Father Daniel. Father Daniel's in an area that is basically jungle, and uh, they, while they do have electricity, sometimes it works. And uh, so I wasn't sure that Father Daniel would see an email from me, but this other party sent him one. He emailed me within an hour, and he said, how did you know? How did I know what? He had been interceding that morning in Cameroon for a young woman named Glory. Uh, she needed cancer surgery immediately or she would die. And the amount of money that I had wired was exactly the amount of money that was required for that surgery. And um, you know the, the beauty was I was I, I got these pictures after her surgery and and, and this uh, I'm cry <laughs> this thank you note from her and she was given new life because I had been sensitive to to this leading of the Holy Spirit and I was just amazed that here you know three people are involved in this within an hour and. This woman has new life, and 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 it was this profound encounter, and and what it taught me was that I need to be more intentional in my prayer and far more sensitive, because uh, God is out there constantly inviting us into relationship with Him, and and I'm sure more and more of these things could happen if if we were very focused on our prayer. Well, about four years ago, we were invited to go on a mission trip to China. And I was thinking, oh, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. I have my own firm. It's dangerous. Uh, there's enough people here to evangelize. I'm not really a missionary. And, and besides, it's dangerous. <laughs> and so uh, I said, no, you know, where, but my wife wanted to go. So I, I said, I'll, I'll pray about it. So I called this Franciscan priest friend of mine. I think Brendan might know him. And uh, Father Dave, you know, I, I can't go on this. I mean, I'm, a, I'm afraid. And, um, you know, it's dangerous. And why do we have to go halfway around the world? There's plenty of people here to evangelize. So he said, well, who's organizing the trip? And I told him. Father Dave sat on their board. I'm saying, Lord, you duped me. This is a setup. And, and, but I knew, I knew that I had to go. So we went over to China, and we, and we arrived, and, and, and we uh, taught about 200 young adults, about your age. Uh, and they came from provinces all over China. They were risking imprisonment and possible death by being there. And I don't know what we were risking. <laughs> A certain deportation if we were caught. But uh, uh, it, it was one of the most extraordinary things that, that we had done. And, and where I was encountering Christ um, was we couldn't take materials, any teaching materials, and uh, we had to teach through an interpreter. 
but the words were being placed on our lips. It was as if God was just, um, you know, we were just opening our mouths and these words were coming out. And um, I was loving these people as a father because with the one child policy and with communism, there's no love in that country. And um, so I came over as their papa. And uh, I, I was loving them as if they were my own kids. And, and it was extraordinary. And I was just realizing uh, how badly God wants us to let people know that he loves them. And he, he wants them eternally in heaven. And then uh, kind of a final thing is that um, about two years ago, I was elected to the National Service Committee of the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. I looked at the list of people that were on this list. Um, Dr. Ralph Martin, uh, Father Michael Scanlon, who did, uh, the late, uh, he just passed away, um, who was the president of uh, Franciscan. And um, so I'm looking at all these people and I'm saying, well, I haven't written any books. Um, you know, I haven't taught all over the world. You know, I haven't run a university. I'm not a professor at a seminary. Why am I on this board? Well, shortly thereafter, there came an opportunity. And that opportunity was to uh, purchase the, the Ark and the Dove Retreat Center. The Ark and the Dove is the place where the Duquesne uh, weekend happened 50 years ago, this past weekend, um, which gave birth to the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. And uh, 120 million people and Catholics worldwide have been baptized in the Holy Spirit as a result of this. And so I came onto this board, and no one had deal experience. I knew how to negotiate the deal, structure it, and find the financing and everything. And I'm thinking, this, this is phenomenal that the Lord brings me onto something at the very moment that, that it's needed. So, you know, He, he is. He's constantly pouring out his love for us, and, and he is looking to, um, to, to, to bring us into relationship. And he, uh, he's always setting these things up, so I'm always stunned at, at how he's working with us. So, you know, so we start talking about this word encounter, and I look at how my life has been transformed. I mean, here I was, I advised banks, and then now I and doing all these other things because Christ broke into my life and, and he showed how much he loved me and, and he has just led me on this incredible path and um, he wants that for all of us so you know as we begin to go into uh, to Lent um, Lord use me how how, uh, how do you want it to change me and, and I was very fearful of, of change now, I've always been very much of a controlling Person. I still have to confess that. But uh, th there's this um, desire uh, to, to, to be able to, uh, to serve in a way that I, I never imagined possible. And, and he is, he's calling you uh, to, to be transformed and, and uh, to, through an encounter to become who he created you to be as opposed to 
who you think you are. I thought I knew who I was. I thought when I had established my firm, I was a workaholic. I, I had my identity. It, it was a fake identity. So, um, so you know, as we go into Lent, there, there, there's a question on um, how do we encounter Christ? And uh, ask, seek, and knock. And uh, he will come rushing in. And th there's all kinds of ways. I mean, just, just the simple going to Mass. Um, so many times we go to Mass and Mass takes place, we fulfilled our obligation, and we leave. But when we start thinking about what's actually taking place on that altar, uh, just Mass alone ought to be transforming us. Um, reconciliation. The fact that we can be forgiven for our sins because Christ died on that cross for us. Uh, you know, when you, when you start thinking about those kinds of things, that alone ought to be transforming us. But sometimes we need a little jump start. And uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's a Bible study, maybe it's a prayer group. And, um, but even those can get a little stale. And, and it's good to mix it up. And uh, you know, go to um, you know, a Crucino weekend, uh, go to a Life in the Spirit seminar, go to um, you know, Institute of Catholic Culture. Mix it up because um, yeah, you, you will pick up things. And um, do the and right here, uh, the very thing that you're doing here. So, um, you know, but, but seek encounter. Now there's a danger in encounter. Um, the first is emotionalism. And some people think that um, when you have an encounter, that it is simply an emotional high and that, that you are um, uh, you know, just very happy and joyful. And the problem is if you think it's, it's simply emotion, then that's going to wear off. It's very shallow. Uh, then there is uh, the danger of becoming an encounter junkie. And an encounter junkie is, is the person that goes around simply seeking encounters. Uh, they want to get that next high. Uh, and so just like an addict. And uh, the, the, again, the problem with that is that um, they're not fulfilling what God is really calling them to do. Uh, and so an encounter is not the end, it is the beginning. And, and when we have an encounter, it puts us on a path of, um, of, of joy, but it is a path of using the gifts that God pours out on us, whether it's our natural gifts or, or, or spiritual gifts. And, and he, he calls us into mission. And so uh, when we have these encounters, um, we, we should be going out. And, and you know, we're, we're sent out at the end of Mass to go proclaim the gospel to all nations uh, and um, to, to glorify the Lord with our lives. And so we, we want to be able to have a, uh, uh, an openness to encounter, but realizing that encounter is just moving us um, on the, our, our path of holiness. But whatever the encounter is, um, 
the purpose is that we know that God loves us and that we look to extend that grace to others. And um, so just like you know, when, when I was in China, I was loving people that were hungry for love uh, because of the environment that they were in. And um, it's just like with Glory, she needed that, that, that surgery on that next day. So it's always about um, love. And, and so, um, so many people will look at encounter uh, as simply for them and, and, and they kind of uh, hoard that. And, and we are never supposed to hoard those, those kinds of, of, of encounters. We've got to share that grace. So, um, so as we go into the, um, this Lenten period, the, the question for all of us is, uh, who has God created me to be? Who do I say that he is? Um, invite him in, uh, to, to, to transform you. And um, yeah. Lent should be a period of training, a, a period of discipline, a period where um, we're not just simply giving up chocolate, uh, that, that we're becoming more and more like him. And uh, we ought to really challenge ourselves because you know, look at the world right now and, in, and you know, this country, other countries, uh, it, it's you know, becoming very divisive. Uh, you know, terrorism is on the rise. Um, you know, people are questioning uh, gender. And uh, we, we have lots of challenges in this world. And uh, in our baptisms, we've been given the Holy Spirit. And we, uh, with the encounters, we're stirring our faith into this flame so that we can go out and proclaim the gospel with joy and, and, and be able to speak the truth without being judgmental. And uh, so it, it, you know, let's, let's look at Lent that way. And, you know, I was... Um, I, I was thinking about spring training because baseball started, and um, and I was thinking, you know, in many respects, Christians are sort of like they're playing in little league, right? And uh, but God wants us to be playing in the World Series and winning the championship, and and so we ought to take Lent and and you know get out of the little league. And, and, and look to win the World Series. And, and so, there, went out. Uh, so I feel like, uh, yeah, that, that, that's a good image for us, that, that we think too small. We keep God contained um, small. We keep Him convenient for our time and the way uh, we restrict Him to working only certain ways in our lives. And it doesn't work at all. In, the, in that regard, and and uh, I was at the um, celebration of the Duquesne weekend uh, this past weekend, and and there was a word, a prophetic word, and it went like this. Uh, and and the person, if you're not familiar with the prophetic word, uh, many times the person speaking uh, will be speaking words as if they were coming from God, and. Uh, they said this, I am tired of your plans. When are you going to follow my plan? 
So that was God speaking. Well, that was a very strong word because um, you know all of us have a tendency to think we're following God's will and, and we're not really. So um, let, let's really challenge ourselves and let, let's seek an encounter with Him so that we can become who He created us to be. So that we can be filled with this new love and, and this desire to, to, to serve in a new way. And um, yeah, when, when I look, I, I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you what's happened in my life because I said yes 15 years ago. I wish I had said it back when I was 16 because there, there's a certain sadness that, that I, I carry that I did not, I blew God off for, for many years. And, um, but, but when you see what can happen when we say yes, uh, it can be very exciting and we can change this world so it, it's, maybe we're not in irreversible destruction in, in our world today. Let's go set the world on fire. Amen? Amen. So um, any questions about uh, encounter uh, or different ways of encountering? How has the, the charismatic renewal in the Catholic Church reinforced your spiritual Oh, it, it has been dramatic. And, and I think there's a lot of mis, uh, misconceptions about the charismatic renewal. Uh, and the the um, yeah, Pope Francis... Oh, sorry about that. Pope Francis um, uh, is very supportive of the renewal. And in fact, he has, he has commissioned the renewal to bring baptism in the Holy Spirit to the heart of the church. And... Uh, uh, he has invited the charismatic renewal worldwide uh, along with Pentecostal churches worldwide to Rome this uh, coming Pentecost and uh, to, to celebrate with him uh, to celebrate baptism of the Holy Spirit which began at the Decane weekend and um, he um, uh, will be celebrating this in Circus Maximus if you're familiar with Circus Maximus or Rome at all, Circus Maximus is where the Christians were persecuted and martyred. So um, that's where we're going to be um, uh, worshiping uh, yeah, with the Pope. Um, the, the charismatic renewal is highly misunderstood because there's a view that uh, those people that are involved in that are simply on emotional highs and that the 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 goal is simply praise and worship. Uh, praise and worship is, is important, but that is sort of the encounter uh, that they are looking to go forth and exercise the spiritual gifts which are in uh, Corinthians and Galatians. And, and uh, so uh, what we are seeing now is a, uh, an emphasis um, throughout the world uh, more life in the spirit seminars. Uh, Pope Francis has asked us to um, uh, at least double the number of life in the spirit seminars at every parish. Uh, it takes a while for, for that to eventually take place. But um, for me personally, uh, it took my faith to a whole new level um, in, in that I, I realized uh, that. Uh, I, well, 
one, I was surrendering my life to Christ. And that I was being docile to the leading of the Holy Spirit in, in leading my life. Uh, and and uh, so my, my faith is more fervent. Uh, I, I, I avidly read scripture, which is God speaking to us. Um, I have a very regular prayer life, um, a very regular sacramental life, and uh, I am very passionate in serving. I don't push the, uh, the renewal on anybody, but uh, it, it, it's very scriptural that uh, we are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. One of the things that happens is, uh, and, and it happened over time, um, in the early church, it was adults that were baptized. And it was very normal for them, uh, once they were uh, sacramentally baptized, to also be baptized in the Spirit. What's happened in, in, over time is that we had infant baptism, and so the, uh, the gifts of the Spirit wind up lying dormant until they are stirred into flame. And, and St. Paul writes about that in Timothy, um, to, to stir our, our uh, faith into flame and, and to use the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit to, to build up the church. So, um, the, the, what we have seen is the renewal has been a very key part uh, in, in strengthening uh, the, the church. And so for me personally and for uh, the church, it's been very fruitful. Any other questions? Yes? Uh, yeah, so my dad's a uh, uh, Presbyterian. And my mom's Catholic. Um, he's done a great job of raising my sister and I in my mom's faith, but um, uh, I think he's pretty set on his simplistic views of, of Jesus and his personal relationship. Um, I've never really had a strong desire to like go full on, you know, converting him or anything like that. I just like to share my faith with him, and he shares his beliefs, and sometimes begin to. Heated <laughs> conversations, which is fine. But um, what can I do just to continue to uh, share my faith with him? And uh, it, it, I don't, I guess, like, kind of get that message across that, like, you should never be settled. You, know, you should always continue to uh, search for more. Yes, yes. Um, you know, a, a couple of things, um, and I think Pope Francis has set a terrific model for us uh, in ecumenism. And ecumenism means that we are accepting other Christian faiths, and uh, we try to build a bridge between them, because um, there are some differences theologically uh, and, and some differences in practices between us and other faiths. But those differences are much smaller. What the enemy, the devil, wants us to do is to be fractured and uh, so that we are arguing against each other. And if we really want to change this world, we have to be united. And uh, that there has to be a, a, a spirit of, uh, of, uh, of desiring unity. And, uh, I think Pope Francis has set this wonderful tone for ecumenism. And uh, so yeah, if, if we take that model, um, 
yeah, we're very accepting of the of other Christian faiths. And um, Pope Francis has reached out to the Orthodox, and, and you see that there's been a lot of reconciliation. The Anglicans are being, um, you know, some denominations, um, um, churches are coming in to the Catholic Church, and um, uh, the, he's also reached out to Pentecostal churches, and, and there have been a number of meetings in that regard. And they, they're coming to this Pentecost celebration uh, this summer. So um, if we take that model, uh, then uh, yeah, we begin to discuss how, uh, how we're similar in our face as opposed to what our differences are. And, and um, that, that's a loving way to do it. Um, but here's the other thing. Uh, many people have been converted as they start to read the early church fathers. And uh, so if there's a, 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 a couple of uh, letters Irenaeus, for example, um, that then you could give him uh, and just ask him to read it, or, or the Didache. Uh, the, those documents, as as people begin to read them, they they begin to realize uh, the the depths of the of the Catholic faith. And uh, you know, this year, um, not only is it the fiftieth uh, year of the Charismatic Renewal. It's the, what is it, the 100th year of Fatima? And it's the 500th year of the Reformation. And um, so there, there are many significant anniversaries this year, but, but one that has caused this dialogue between different groups to, to begin to reunite. So I, I think this is a great time to have constructive, positive conversations with those, um, with our Protestant brothers and sisters. And uh, so, um, my mom is still Presbyterian, but um, I, I, as I've talked to her over time, I, I don't uh, push my my faith on her, but uh, yeah, we have reconciled differences. So, any other questions? Great, thank you. Thank you again, Ron. Really appreciate it. Okay, so before the night is over, we wanted to just share some announcements, things that are going on. Uh, if you're new to Fairfax Theology on Tap, we're co-sponsored by the Diocese, Nativity, St. Leo's, and St. Mark's. So there are some different events in different locations. First for the Arlington Diocese announcements, there's the Arlington Theology on Tap coming up on March 13th. They meet at O'Sullivan's in Arlington. And the talk will be led by Sally O'Dwyer, Director of Volunteers for Catholic Charities, starting at 7.30. They also do an Arlington um, Young Adult Ministry Praise and Worship at Our Lady of Lourdes on Tuesdays, and that's at 8 p.m. And the next one is February 21st. So Ron talked a little bit about praise and worship as a form of prayer. You could check that out. Uh, Fairfax Theology on Tap for us. Our next one is next month, March 20th. And we're doing the first of a series. It's a vocations panel. So it'll be part one next month. And we have um, a married couple. And let's see, Nancy McKeague is the Dassin coordinator for marriage prep. So she and her husband will be here. We're also going to have a priest. You can talk about the marriage vocation and the priestly vocation. And that'll be the first of our series. So that should be very interesting. Hope you come for that. Back to Arlington. 
They have CSE basketball, if you're interested in something more physical. Every Thursday night we have that at Nativity. We play from 8.30 to 10.30. All skill levels are welcome. Some of us in the room play. I am the low skill level. Some other people are a lot higher. That's so. confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> he can't make anything we have announced. So. And then on Sundays at our um, Queen of Apostles in Alexandria, they play from 8 to 10. There's also a special event, the Catholic Charities Young Adult Reception. So this is the first ever Young Adult Reception at the annual ball for Catholic Charities for the Diocese. It takes place at the Ritz-Carlton in Tyson Center, um, Tyson's Corner, just kidding, Friday, February 24th, so this coming Friday. Anyone 21 to 35 can attend. It starts at 9, there's hors d'oeuvres, and at 10.30, you're welcome to join in the main ballroom. They have dancing and live entertainment. Um, so you have to look at the Arlington Young Adult page for more information on that. They're also planning a pilgrimage to the St. John Paul II Shrine in D.C. on February 26th. Um, they'll explore the exhibits, mass in the chapel, and then lunch on your own after. Also see the Facebook page for that. And there's a third, Theology on Tap. That one's in Woodbridge. So you can just constantly be going to Theology on Taps all the time if you want. That next one is February 27th. It's called When the Bottom Falls Out. And Mr. Brandon Jabbar and Mr. Michael Chamberlain will join Franciscan Friar, Father John Alderson, to talk about journeying spiritually through different times in life. So those are your Arlington announcements. Um, real quick, St. Mary's in Old Town wanted to invite you to uh, a screening of a movie called Our Last Stand on March 4th, and it's about the struggles of Christian families in Iraq and Syria. You do have to buy tickets for that, so you can search that online. And there's a Facebook event. All proceeds will go to the filmmaker's work. So if you're interested in that subject, that's on March 4th. Okay, Connor, you want to come up for St. Leo's announcements? Okay. <laughs> you always forget the end of my parish's name, St. Leo the Great. That's what I forget. <laughs> I don't do well with microphones, I like holding these things. So, three events to announce to y'all, um, all happening in March, back to back to back. It's pretty awesome. So, March 11th, we will be having a Lenten retreat. So, if you want to kickstart Lent, um, we'll be about 10 days in already by then. But um, we are welcoming all of you guys to, to, to come to the event. It's pretty awesome. Um, just going to be a morning thing. Uh, it starts at 8.45. Sorry, you'll have to wake up, but it's not too, too early. And it's going to go to about noon time, maybe a little bit later. Um, so we're welcoming you there. Um, feel free to, to talk to me afterwards to get more details. Um, if I don't like you, I was going to say, never mind, got canceled. Um, just kidding. <laughs> Joke. That's not funny, you know. So, and then March 15th, that Wednesday coming up afterwards, we will have a Bible study, our monthly Bible study. We are studying Peter. It's pretty awesome. Um, I know a handful of you in this room have gone before, so we're welcoming you to come. Uh, it's at 7 o'clock, and then again, for more details, because it is at one of the parishioners' houses, I'm not going to give that address out to everybody. Uh, kind of funny, though. And then 18th of March, we will be having a trivia night. So um, all skill levels, just kind of like what Allison was saying about basketball, all skill levels are welcomed. We'll be having any type of uh, a trivia from religious to, again, modern day, so it'll be really fun. Some drinks, some refreshments, and some snacks will be available. Um, and that is at 7 o'clock on Saturday night at St. Leo's the Great. Um, and we are looking forward to having a big group. So uh, all are welcome. Kind of what the Bible says, right? Yes. Okay, so at the Church of the Nativity of Our Lord, which is where I work. <laughs> 
Um, it's Ivan Mayu, I'm Allison Fram. I'm the director of Young Adult and College Ministry. So feel free to talk to me if you're interested in any of this. A couple of our special events, we're doing a Fat Tuesday Pancake Dinner um, next Tuesday, the 28th. So you meet in our cafeteria at 7.30, and we'll provide the batter and the toppings, and then you compete to make the best pancakes. So we're going to feast the day before Ash Wednesday. And then the following day, March 1st, is Ash Wednesday. Uh, we have a 6 p.m. mass, so you can go that. And right afterwards, we're doing a service project where we're making uh, bags of food to drop off to the lamp center. So it's a very easy way to start Lent off with a bang. We hope you'll come for that. Um, and then we do have a weekly small group also at Nativity. If you're interested, feel free to come and talk to me. So I think that's it. Did I forget anything? No? Okay. Thank you all for coming. We hope to see you next month.